0: Well, the Pac-12 may not have had the strongest season on the hardwood last year, but they still have a ton of talented squads, including a few who could end up facing Gonzaga this upcoming season. Here to break down the Conference of Champions with some WCC talk and some NBA draft chatter as well is Spencer McLaughlin right here on the Locked On Zags podcast. Don't go away. You are Locked On Zags, your daily podcast on the Gonzaga Bulldogs. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team, every day. What is going on, y'all? Welcome to the Locked On Zags podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I am your host and longtime Gonzaga podcaster, Andy Patton, here to bring you news and updates on all things Zag Athletics. Today's episode is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online has you covered this season with more props, more odds, and more lines than ever before. Bet Online, where the game starts. I am thrilled to be joined today by Spencer McLaughlin. Spencer is the host of the Locked On Pac-12 Podcast and the Locked On Ducks Podcast. I do one of these, and it seems like it's already a lot of work. Doing two of them has got to be crazy. Spencer is also the a Santa Clara alumni, the voice of the Southern Utah Thunderbirds keeping very busy i appreciate you taking time out of your day to come on the show spencer
1: hey it's a pleasure always down to come on and, and talk college basketball as as our uh, as our god figure john rostein says we <laughs> sleep in we sleep in may and it's june so we gotta wait till next may to sleep so let's get after
0: it <laughs> 11 more months before we can sleep oh man i'm not sure i can handle that <laughs> spencer so The Zags usually play two, maybe three games against the Pac-12 every season. Sometimes they run into them in tournaments. Sometimes they run into them in the NCAA tournament. Uh, So always a chance to play some of the teams from the Conference of Champions when we're not actually facing them. Bill Walton's usually doing our games anyway. So we hear all about the Pac-12 this year. So far, at least, schedule is very far from finalized, but we know of one that the Zags are for sure going to play. So I want to start there with Mike Hopkins, University of Washington Huskies, a team that the Zags didn't play for a long time. I finally kind of restarted that rivalry between the two squads. Uh, UW hasn't been particularly good for the last couple of years, although we kind of saw a bit of a resurgence from the team last year. Terrell Brown was a huge part of that uh, as a transfer out of Seattle U and Arizona. Uh, Now we're looking at a team that added a couple other Pac-12 players uh, to the team. Frank Kebnag, Kept Nang, excuse me, out of Oregon. Uh, Noah Williams from Washington State. I'm curious, kind of, what your thoughts are. Kind of feel like one of the harder teams to kind of pin down heading into next season.
1: Yeah, Big Frank is a, a big energy guy, and yeah. you know, as a Duck fan, it broke my heart to see yeah. him uh, leave, leave Eugene because he he became a fan favorite, you know, mm-hmm. right away from the moment he stepped on the court. Really raw prospect. He was. Uh, a five-star guy but in basketball I think we all know by now it never means as much as it does in football you can have a five-star guy who still needs to develop which I've always been kind of curious about I think it's just that college football recruiting is is bigger than college basketball so you've got I think more people doing it analysis and work and whatnot so you don't have those ratings given out quite as easily but from a a frame standpoint 6'11 I don't know exactly what he weighs but he's a big body dude and He's just going to come in, give you energy. And I think it's a great addition for for Mike Hopkins. And, you know, they brought in a couple transfers who should help him out. And they did not start well last mm-hmm. year. And they've had uh, some tough seasons. We've seen them be a tournament team. They won a tournament game a few years ago against Utah State as an eight seed. I think I picked them to lose that game. They might have been a nine. But, you know, it, it's a team that we know is capable of getting to the tournament, but it typically takes a little bit more because they mm-hmm. just haven't had a, a good, long, consistent run as a program of being yeah. really successful. And, you know, I, I I see all the time people say Gonzaga needs to join a real conference, and they need mm-hmm. to do this, that, and the other thing. Like, mm-hmm. it's the dumbest argument in the world because <laughs> Gonzaga is going to be favored in this game. Mm-hmm. A standard Pac-12 opponent, mm-hmm. they're going to be favored by what? Fifteen and a half. Probably. 16. No. I mean, it's going to be most likely in the double digits. Would mm-hmm. they have the exact same record that they would playing in a power five conference as they do in the WCC? Mm-hmm. No. Would they be the same seed in the mm-hmm. tournament? 100%. Yep. And, and I think that <laughs> games like these are, are just a testament to that and how ridiculous mm-hmm. that entire narrative is about like they need to play a real conference like really why don't you give me the other program that has been to two national championship games in the last four seasons and and by the way this is not coming from some zags homer i watched them terrorize my broncos for several years in college that you know they've been a a perennial power in college basketball for Mm -hmm. a reason so you know, I think Washington has done some nice things this off season. I think Hopkins has to, you know, start winning at a high level here in the next year or two, or at least at a, a bigger level of where mm-hmm. they have been the last couple of years when they've been pretty down. I mean, they went into Oregon at Matthew Knight Arena, and they got ran out of the yeah. building, and it was a really, really ugly game. You know, you can't have that happen too often. So I, I think they've done a couple nice things this offseason. They, of course, have a player move uh, to the other side of that Apple Cup rivalry. but. Yeah. I think they're going to be a team that that Gonzaga can't take super lightly because if Mike Hopkins is doing it right, he's going to have his team playing with a strong sense of urgency because yeah. that's the way that I, I think he needs to approach that head coaching position.
0: Absolutely, I was actually I was at that game uh, in in Eugene against the Washington, tonight. Was I knew never that was yeah, I knew that they were having a decent season, but my God, they got smoked yeah. in that game. It was it was one of the worst basketball yeah, games. Yeah, it ever. was.
1: And, and then they and then they got they got revenge against the Ducks up in mm-hmm. Seattle later in the year. But yeah. that that game at Matthew United Arena, I was like, man, what is happening right now? It was just. It was a total mismatch, but, you know, that's why he played two in college basketball, I suppose.
0: Absolutely. So I want to talk. There's another opponent that the Zags might play. It sounds like the Phil Knight Invitational, the PK-85 coming up this year. Uh, Very exciting. Obviously, Gonzaga fans are familiar with that. They were a part of the PK-80, lost a devastating game in overtime to Florida. I remember that game so distinctly. Jonathan Williams almost had a 40-spot in that game, but the Zags could not pull it out They're back. It's going to be a similar group of teams, really exciting. Both Oregon and Oregon State are participating in the PK-85. What I've seen uh, from the two the two different divisions that they're going to have, it doesn't look like the Zags will play Oregon. It does look like they at least have a chance to play Oregon State, so we'll start there. Uh, the Beavers' Elite Eight run two years ago, which feels like a long, 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 long time ago after this team went – I. I think three and twenty-seven or three and twenty-eight last year. Yeah, uh, an incredible fall from grace. Obviously, the elite eight run was a bit fluky, but to to fall as far as they have, I mean, what what is what's going on in Corvallis? Like, what happened under Wayne Tinkle's team this past year? Because that was an incredible incredible fall. That's a great question. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that was
1: a team that. After making that late season surge and becoming a Cinderella darling in college basketball, suddenly you look up and in the preseason going into last year, they a team that you know people are picking as a tournament team and right. top four or five in the Pac-12, and maybe they could sneak into the top three, even though they lost Ethan Thompson, mm-hmm. and they just never got it going. There yeah. were there was no real point in time where they pl- played. A prolonged stretch of good basketball, and they played a lot of really bad, <laughs> unmotivated basketball. Yeah. And I I don't know how. I'm glad I'm not an athletics administrator down there in in Corvallis. Obviously, yeah. as a Duck, I inherently feel that way a little bit, but <laughs> mostly because how are you supposed to look at at Wayne Tinkle right now? I yeah. mean, if they follow up, you know, you go to the Elite Eight. Yeah. For Oregon State. I mean, for anybody, that's a big deal. Yeah. For Oregon State. It's an even bigger deal. They have yeah. not been a relevant basketball team for the better part of the last 10 years or so. They yeah. just they haven't been there. And it might even be longer than that. Yeah, I have to go back and, yeah. I'd have to go back and check the records. It's been a while. So yeah. that was, you know, such a, a pinnacle for them. And it was such a big achievement. And you can't undersell how important that was to the program and how, awesome that was for the fan base i know a lot of beaver fans and they were just over the moon and then to go you know in one season to go from the very top of what it feels like you can be as a program to the absolute bottom yeah i mean that was bottoming out that was oregon state 2017 football that was as low as you can go and so if wayne tingle comes into this year and they're disappointing again, and they only win like eight or nine games, Mm -hmm. and they're way under 500. you have to ask the question, is that our head coach? Yeah, But then you have to also factor in that it just wasn't that long ago. I've just never seen anything (laughs) like this, you know, where it's not that long ago that you had one of the best seasons for your program in recent memory, and you had all this momentum, and then you crashed and burned the next Mm -hmm. season harder than anybody thought. Yeah. Even Duck fans were not going, oh, yeah, the beeves are going to be absolutely terrible. Nobody saw yeah. that coming. It yeah. was not a thing that anyone was predicting at the time. So I think it's a tough evaluation. And, you know, I, I think that he's got to be coaching with even more urgency, arguably, than, than Mike mm-hmm. Hopkins does up at Washington. Because if they don't get some, you know, nice non-conference wins entering Pac-12 play, then, the chatter is going to arise about, all right, is Wayne Tinkle on the hot seat? Is this mm-hmm. is this the right coach that we want? And once you start having that circulate around your program, good things do not tend to follow.
0: Yeah. Well, we got two coaches who have to play with a little bit of urgency this year. We're going to come back in the second segment. We're going to talk about a coach who I'm sure will have some urgency, but probably isn't feeling the pressure quite as much. That's, of course, Tommy Lloyd, who had an incredible first season with the Arizona Wildcats. We're going to talk all about that and who is going to be challenging Lloyd and the Wildcats for the top spot in the Pac-12. Before we get there, though, let's talk about Bet Online. College basketball may be over this season, but the NBA Finals are still raging on as of this conversation. The MLB, the WNBA, and more, of course, continue into the summer. BetOnline is your number one source for all of your betting needs and sports information from all the latest odds, contests, and player props, you name it. BetOnline remains the best spot for all your latest sports developments, including podcasts and reviews for all the leagues this season. And it's not just basketball. BetOnline is your continued source for all your sports wagering information needs, Including live betting and your favorite Vegas casino games. They have lines for coaching changes across every major sport, so even in the offseason, you can get your fix. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends in action. Bet online, where the game starts. All right, segment two. Still Andy Patton, still locked on Zag, still chatting here with Spencer McLaughlin of the Locked On Pac 12 podcast. Wanted to transition away from talking about the Pacific Northwest teams in Washington and Oregon State. Want to talk a little bit about Arizona, the the Zags and the Wildcats have a bit of a complicated relationship, which has become much more complicated in the last year or so. This is a team that Gonzaga fans have really liked to hate. I mean, really (laughs) love to hate. I think a lot of people have loved to hate Arizona basketball for a long time. The Zags had a triple, I believe a triple overtime loss to Arizona 20 years ago when they first kind of became a relevant basketball program. That loss is still stinging for a lot of people. They've lost to them in the non-conference slate a handful of times. They lost to them in 2014 when Aaron Gordon was a complete monster Uh, and now we kind of feel like we want to root for our guy Tommy Lloyd 20 years at Gonzaga before finally taking his first head coaching job completely understandable for him to leave uh, and take a very lucrative position in the college basketball landscape and all he managed to do with that is turn around Sean Miller's roster that had a lot of talent but wasn't particularly playing well he turned them into a number one overall seed one of the three best teams in the country going into the NCAA tournament like I said, I don't think that he's feeling as much strain as perhaps some of the other coaches, but uh, still got to find a way to build on that. This Arizona team lost a ton of talent this offseason. Mathrin's going to be a top 10 pick in the NBA draft. Christian Coloco, Dallin Terry, probably going to be drafted, uh, maybe first rounders, early second round, potentially for those guys. I'm curious, now that Tommy's finally starting to get his guys into that program, where you think this Arizona team could end up? I think Tommy Lloyd
1: is getting a nice introduction to what it's really like to be a college basketball head coach. You Mm -hmm. you have this great season. You have these amazing players. You make a run in the, I mean, you turn around the program, you have a season that nobody expected you to have you run into a criminally underseated and underrated Houston team with a great coach and Kelvin Sampson themselves. And now you have to basically reset on, on a roster perspective. Mm -hmm. It's just a really tough thing to do. And, you know, there, there's no such thing as an easy coaching job anywhere no. in the NBA. I mean, it's it's tough everywhere yeah. you look because of the number of things that are not in your control. But mm-hmm. I think what makes college basketball tougher than college football is the amount of roster turnover you have yeah. on a year-to-year basis. And, you know, college football is getting a little bit of a taste of that now, I, I yeah. think, in, in a radical way with the transfer portal and how, how many guys are leaving programs. But mm-hmm. still, when you look at the – percentage of players on a roster even now with all this you know there's thousands and thousands of players in the transfer portal and everything all that sort of stuff Mm -hmm. even with that i don't think it compares to what you can lose from a college basketball team in any given year where you can lose 60% 60% of your starting line. Yeah, it's, not, yeah. it's not as many players, but from a percentage standpoint, you just look at the production that you have to replace. Yeah. Even, you know, a team like Georgia that just sent a, a record, you know, 15 guys, the NFL, five mm-hmm. guys in the first round. Mm-hmm. That's not 60% of their team. right? <laughs> it's not 60% of their production. And so yeah. it, it's such a year to year basis Mm -hmm. with college basketball, like we were talking about with Oregon state, you know, things can just feel differently. Players click and uh, Mm -hmm. this guy doesn't perform the way that you you thought he was perhaps going to, but then next year, he might not even be a factor on your team at all. Davion Harmon came into Oregon last year as a transfer guard from Oklahoma. We were excited about what he was bringing and he did a lot of good things this year. Boom. He's away from the program. Mm -hmm. He's, uh, he's gone. He's going to Texas tech now. I mean, it's just the way that that sort of stuff works and, and how quickly guys can really With you And grad transfers are are much more common from what I've seen in the college basketball world than college football as well. So that's a component of it. And I I think tying this back to Arizona, that's what Tommy Lloyd is going to have to deal with here in in Mm -hmm. his very first year after being the head coach. And he had all this success and he's the coach of the year and he does all these great things and has Arizona basketball back where it should be, which is squarely in the national championship conversation and the number one overall seed. But now he's got to completely reload and that's going to be a major test because it's one thing when you come in and, you know, reset a culture with a bunch of talent there. But it's another Mm -hmm. thing. And I know they just got a big time uh, international prospect as well who they signed. I I can't remember his name, Mm -hmm. but I remember seeing that. And so that's, you know, a good sign on, on the recruiting trail from that perspective. But. You lose Benedict Matherin, Daylon Terry, and Christian Coloco. I mean, those are just—that's yeah. your team. That, yeah. That's that's your entire team. And so I, I think that you know it's it's almost a little bit of a wait and see with Arizona and Tommy Lloyd. Of like, okay, so we know that when you have the talent, and you know it was already kind of built into the roster that you can come in and and be a good coach and be a winning program. But how do you become? A coach much like his uh, his mentor, Mark Few at Gonzaga, where you do it every year and you know how to add the right players from the portal and you bring in the sorts of recruits who are not just one and done all the time, but still bringing in those big time talents every now and then. I think it's a it's a difficult balance to strike. And I think it's going to be an adjustment for Tommy Lloyd. But the early returns so far are really, really good for Arizona's head coach.
0: And I think one thing that that might be a bit of an advantage for Tommy is that he's not the only coach uh, in the Pac-12, particularly of the teams that did well last season, who who lost a lot of talent. UCLA, obviously, Johnny Juzang out the door, Jules Bernard out the door, Peyton Watson, who wasn't particularly good last year, but probably would have been good this year. He's out the door. Uh, Obviously, UCLA lost Isaiah Mobley, who is tremendously talented USC, yeah. Yeah, Sorry, yes. USC lost Isaiah Mobley. Uh, So you're looking at a bit more of an open path uh, in the Pac-12, potentially. I'm curious, uh, just kind of looking at the rosters are not finalized still. Obviously, there's still some transfers who are going to make some decisions, some late commits in the class of 2022, excuse me, who are probably going to to change some of the teams here. But kind of looking at, at what happened last year, looking at those rosters, who you think might kind of step up, who, who might be some risers. And I know that I know you may have a little bit of bias with Oregon, but obviously they did some really nice stuff this offseason as well.
1: Yeah, I like what Oregon has done. I've been pleased, you know, even though they just had a recent decommitment from Dior Johnson, yeah. he had an opportunity to to shift my answer to this question a little bit because I, I like what I've seen from Washington State, mm-hmm. up in Pullman with Kyle Smith, who I think is a really solid head coach. I saw mm-hmm. him at USF when I was a student at, at yeah. Santa Clara. The guy knows basketball, and all he's done so far going up to Pullman, you know, after they 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 tried Ernie Kent. Yeah who I was kind of de facto rooting for, it didn't work out. But Kyle Smith has had the moving in the right direction. And Dior Johnson is a guy who moved around a lot in high school. He went to 10 different high schools, actually. So his flimsiness is just not that much of a surprise. He was considering Wazoo. And if he'd gone there, it it would be hard. And, you know, the success that Kyle Smith has historically had with guards, it'd be hard to look at the Cougs and not say that kind of seems like a team that might be poised to make a leap, maybe not a tournament caliber team, but one you have to watch out for. And yeah. I, I think the other one is, uh, is Stanford. I mean, yeah. it feels like we say it every year for the last two or three years, like, boy, they, they, they seem poised to, yeah. to make that jump. Don't they? Or like they, they could mm-hmm. just, they could be that next team or one of those next teams that gets in and then they show flashes of it, but they're never able to put together, an entire season. So I wonder if Jared Hass is going to be able to to finally have that complete campaign he's been looking for in Palo Alto with the Cardinal. They've mm-hmm. got some talent on the roster, but I know they, they also I think lost a couple players from, yeah. fr, from last season as everybody typically does. So mm-hmm. I, I think those are two programs who are kind of in the middle last year that that might take a leap up I think a program like Colorado is probably going to take a step down yeah uh they, they lost Keyshawn Barthelmy to Oregon he was mm-hmm. a pretty solid contributor last year and I think Colorado you know is capable of being a good team I, I think in in a couple NCAA tournaments they've been as high as like a seven or even a five seed yeah. before like you, you can win games there and Tad Moyles is a, is a good college basketball mm-hmm. coach but kind of seems like they, they they might be susceptible to. A year-to-year fluctuation there, just kind of regressing back to the mean of sorts. But I mean, you've got your UCLA's, your Arizona's. Mm-hmm. I expect Oregon to bounce back. Dana yeah. Altman teams never stay down for for long, and they've yeah. got a, a ton of talent up and down on, on their roster there. But I'm interested to see what Andy Enfield can pull off at USC mm-hmm. without Isaiah Mobley. I mean, they, they've got some good players on that roster, but. I think that that's a big piece to lose and how they rebound from that, you know, after being a seven seed a season ago, going yeah. one and done in the NCAA tournament, I could see them pulling back too, but mm-hmm. I I'm also not one who would say it's uh, historically wise to bet against Andy Enfield. I think he's a good coach.
0: Yeah. I mean, that's a team that went to the elite eight a couple of years ago, got yep. cooked by drew Timmy uh, in that, in that <laughs> tournament, but still I mean, elite <laughs> eight run for them. And, Kind of fell apart towards the end of last year, uh, obviously, into the tournament there, but still still a solid squad. You mentioned Kyle Smith. And it's funny, I was talking to uh, to Kyle Bankhead, former point guard at Gonzaga, who's now an assistant head coach at San Francisco. Uh, And he was kind of we were talking about the Mark Few pipeline of coaches and, and certainly wcc coaches as well and and usf's had a really good coaching pipeline i mean obviously kyle smith when he went over to washington state they're having a lot of success there and then you have todd golden who i think a lot of people thought san francisco was going to maybe dip down a little bit and not only did they not do that they went to the ncaa they tournament went even the higher time. yeah they yeah. went even higher and now todd golden's an sec head coach uh you know a, a young coach in the sec at florida That's incredible. Uh, accomplishment for him, so I, I thought for sure. Another thing you touched on there, I thought Todd Golden was going to Stanford. I really felt like, you know what, the Stanford team hasn't performed all that well. Maybe Jared Hass is finally going to be out the door. Todd Golden, he doesn't have to move; he can stay yeah. in, his, in his house, yeah. take this job over here. Uh, especially when Jaden Delair left, and they kind of had some movement there. But uh, obviously, Golden's going to have a, have a lot of success, I, I imagine, over at Florida. Yeah, I I
1: like him. I think it's a a different animal you're dealing with going from the WCC to Mm -hmm. the SEC. Mm -hmm. But, Mm -hmm. you know, it's not like he got the head coaching job by accident. (laughs) I mean, anytime you get a team like San Francisco to the tournament, I mean, I don't even remember in my lifetime the last time USF was was in the NCAA tournament. I'd have to do some digging, but it's been a while. And, Mm -hmm. you know, the way that he didn't just take over the reins, but took them embrace them and then yeah. got that carriage moving even faster because I think that's an old Western metaphor and you know, where take the reins come from, at least yeah. I, I think I really don't know, but I mean they, they were really humming along and yeah. they were, a good team they had a lot of depth they were very athletic they were very analytical as well they shot a lot of threes and mm-hmm. you know I, I think that Stanford right now is is probably still content with Jared Haas because it's not like he's been bad right but it, you can't look at him and say like oh he's just been terrible you just feel like he's leaving something a little bit on the table yeah and, and that's why I think they wouldn't go to the move right now of you know, oh, let's, let's fire him and then hire Todd Golden. And Florida, of mm-hmm. course, was in a, a place where they needed to get rid of their head coach. Right. And uh, now Golden goes all the way across the country. But I, I'm fascinated to see what what kind of success he can have there because I think he shows a lot of good things. But mm-hmm. it's, it's hit and miss sometimes with, with coaches who are coming from the, the non power five level recruiting is different and the competition you're going up against is different and you have to be able to, now you're dealing with different players on your roster as well, who are better than the ones you probably had before, but mm-hmm. a, a, everything is, is a new ball game there, but I
0: like golden's chances. you kind of touched on it already. So it's a good transition to kind of talk about, The the Pac-12 as a whole and also the WCC as a whole, both these two conferences put the same number of teams uh, in the NCAA tournament last year. Now nobody, even diehard Gonzaga fans, even diehard fans of other programs, nobody's arguing that the WCC is as good as the Pac-12 top to bottom because I don't think that that's reasonable, although Oregon State certainly lowered the bottom, at least for the Pac-12 <laughs> last year. But but at the end of the day, I mean, the, the, you already alluded to it. The WCC is a better basketball conference than a whole heck of a lot of people out there uh, are, are saying that it is. I know you're a Santa Clara guy. I kind of want to touch on Santa Clara specifically. Uh, this is a team that I thought, Frankly, last year's roster, when they were healthy, that was a tournament team. I really believe that that last year's team was that good. They had injuries early in the year. They lost some non-conference games that they shouldn't have lost. Uh, and it, I, I mean, they they really never had a chance throughout the entire WCC season of actually doing enough. Unless they had upset Gonzaga, that's the only way they would have been able to make the NCAA tournament. But frankly, that team was, was right on the cusp of being a tournament team last year. I, I'm, I'm thinking it sucks to lose a Jalen Williams, obviously, but I would love to see that momentum continue to carry out there down there in Santa Clara.
1: Yeah. And I, I want to get on here and say like, Oh, they'll be able to reload. And <laughs> the strongest area of Herb 10 tenure so far has been recruiting in the transfer mm-hmm. portal. I mean, look at a guy like on that USC team, Tajidi came from mm-hmm. Santa Clara was
0: mm-hmm.
1: very underutilized with the Broncos. After a really good first year, he took a step back in his second year and kind of yeah. fell behind the aforementioned Jalen Williams, who, who we're going to get to here in yeah. <laughs> just uh, in just a moment. But, you know, they, they've brought in a lot of talent there, but that mm-hmm. team, it, it, it sucks because Yosef Frankich got hurt. And yeah. in the eight games without him, they went four and four. And if they have him, it's probably six and two, maybe seven and one in that stretch
0: mm-hmm. because
1: he is such an integral part of everything they did at both ends. And he was just such, he was a rock. He's been yeah. Santa Clara basketball for the last five six years however long he's been there i mean he's just been a a staple and all he does is produce you look up and he's not the most athletic guy he's got pretty good size six foot nine Mm -hmm. but he's not the most athletic not the best shooter he's a capable shooter but he's not the best not gonna kill it he's just smart he's crafty he can finish with both hands he's actually left-handed uh if if you didn't know he shoots right-handed but you see him go up with the left a lot he's actually a lefty and you know he 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 just was such a huge piece of what they what they needed during that stretch and it sucks because at a program like Santa Clara opportunities like that just don't come along very often where Jalen Williams is recruited as a 6'2 guard grows up to 6'6 and is now going to be perhaps a lottery pick in the NBA mm-hmm. that just doesn't happen very often and you look at that team it had rankage and you had uh you know Parker Brown was a, a nice piece I loved PJ pipes yeah, loved PJ pipes he brought great energy he was a great score he could mm-hmm. go inside and out he was electric on the fast break and then of course you had Jalen Williams the undisputed leader of the team I mean 18 points a game shooting 50 from the floor uh, just everywhere you look he was so good and it sucks that that team had that stretch and then ran into, uh, you know, ran into a loss in the the West West Coast Conference semifinals and yeah. didn't get a chance at the Zags and mm-hmm. yeah, it was it, it was a bummer. It, it was it was a bummer because I expect Santa Clara to take a major league leap back this year yeah because there was so much talent that you lost there's no pipes there's no Vrankic, there's no Jalen williams yeah those, those, those are your three best offensive <laughs> players from a team that was really really good and those are supremely talented guys so i i don't know how they can even come close to replicating that
0: yeah it's funny i mean we talked about with arizona and losing three of arguably their most talented players outside of tubelas who's also extremely talented but like programs like that it's like when, when you're a mid-major program like Santa Clara, losing your three best players is yeah. devastating every single time. It, it's so t- you know you're you, More uh,
1: so than at other schools. Whereas yeah. like you're saying at Arizona, you lose three guys like that, you know, Mather and Terry and Coloco. Mm-hmm. All right. Yeah. Those are, those are huge losses and we probably won't be the exact same, but we're going to be able to bring in the top tier sort of talent that will allow us to yeah. at least compete at a high level. Maybe not right where we were a season ago, but we can still be a step below. Whereas right. when you're a program like Santa Clara, if that talent had you up here, you're the fall down in the next season, typically is going to be way down to here.
0: Yeah. It's, and it's, it's what we've seen in the WCC so much. We've seen these programs kind of ebb and flow. And, and unfortunately it seems like the, the, the highest they're going to get is like third, maybe, maybe there's, every year there's a team that people talk about. Maybe they will be second. Maybe they'll get, they'll eclipse St. Mary's or in the past, obviously they'll eclipse BYU and, and, it rarely ends up happening, and then you see a team like Pepperdine when they had Colby Ross, when they had Kessler Edwards, uh, you know, who's playing in the NBA now. Ross was one of the best college point guards I've ever seen. That really didn't have a chance of playing in the NBA because of his size, unfortunately. But like that program took a huge step back. I mean, a hu- and they're going to be good again soon. I think they had some really talented freshmen last year, but like that's that's what happens, and it's very yeah, unfortunate yeah. that teams cannot. You know, it's, San, it's, San Francisco has been a bit of an anomaly in that regard, and even then, they're always. They lost Bouye and Masalski. Like that's a lot of talent to be off that yeah. team too. So,
1: <laughs> yeah, it, it takes longer to build up, and yeah. then the fall down is a lot is yeah. a lot quicker. And it's just it's just the way college sports work.
0: Yeah, for Santa Clara to to build and get so, I mean, not not lucky with Jalen Williams, but they, they hit lightning in a bottle there. And for a, an eight game absence from their starting center to basically completely catapult their season is is very unfortunate. <laughs> yeah, it was yeah. It, it was definitely important because when they beat TCU
1: early yeah. in the season, who was a tournament team, yeah. by the way, and they beat St. Mary's, who was also a tournament yeah. team, like that's the sort of caliber of players and team that Santa Clara had and was last year. Yeah. I mean, they, they were right there, but, mm-hmm. you know, you don't have as much room for error from a record standpoint if yeah. you're not going to either win the WCC tournament. Or you know have one win against the Zags, yeah. It's just not very big. And it wasn't that Santa Clara, you know, faltered with their play as much as it was. If you lose the guy who's probably your second best player, yeah, that's just more costly at at a program
0: like SCU has. Absolutely, Spencer. Thank you so much for taking time out of your schedule. We've uh, got probably a bunch more podcasts you got coming up this week, uh, but I appreciate you taking the time to come on this show. Uh, you want to let people know where they can find you, find your work, find the stuff that, that that's com- that's coming out from you.
1: Yeah, love, love coming on, man. Would, would absolutely love to do it again. I bet you mm-hmm. we could do 30 full minutes on, on Jalen Williams. What we'll makes oh, sure. Such a great prospect and whatnot. <laughs> but at Smalls underscore 55 is my Twitter handle. DMs wide opening slide up in there and mm-hmm. ask me anything you want or tell me that everything I've said on here is nonsensical and I'm a bumbling idiot. Like, you can do either one. I won't be offended. <laughs> and uh, the shows that I'm hosting for Locked On or Locked On Ducks. At Locked On Ducks is the handle there and Locked On Pac-12 at LO underscore at Pac-12 on Twitter, YouTube, podcasts. You know the deal out there mm-hmm. for all you Locked On Zags fans out there. And Andy, great great to meet you, man. Great to come mm-hmm. on. We'll definitely be doing it again.
0: Yeah, absolutely, Spencer, man. I appreciate it. We maybe we'll preview Santa Clara. I'm sure when we get the schedule final you got it. For non-conference, we can you talk got about it. Pac-12 hoops too. Sounds great. All right, y'all, thank you so much for listening. We got plenty more content coming up. We got NBA draft stuff coming up very, very soon. Uh, you guys can find the Locked on Zags podcast wherever you get your podcasts. You can find it on YouTube as well. All right, thank you all for listening and go Zags.